No, you don't approach God that way. I, I, I wonder if that's what made... Oh, I just lost his name. Eli, the high priest, get mad at Hannah because she was really communicating. And it was unusual for the Jew to, to have a pouring out of their heart to God, kind of. Though we see examples of Hezekiah and others, but to, to have this idea of a closeness, of a fatherly relationship was unusual to the Jews. And they saw that and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We want what you have. And so Jesus gave them what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles on your phone or tablet or whatever. Leave Facebook off, Instagram off. Don't check your messages. Stand with me as we would read from God's Word. <coughs> By the way, the title for today is The Do's and Don'ts of Prayer. Well, let's, let's pray and we'll read God's Word. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we hold in our hands or on our phone or in our tablet and hopefully in our hearts that we hold truth. A truth that will absolutely stand the test of time. We ask, Lord God, as we sang in our prayer, that we would see Christ, that our Heavenly Father would speak to us, would encourage us, would convict us, strengthen us. Whatever it would be, Lord, you can speak to all the same text. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, give us ears to hear, what your spirit says this day. We ask it for the glory of Christ alone. Amen. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. <clears throat> but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. In the do's and don'ts of prayer, Jesus tells us first, don't pray for an audience of many. Don't pray for an audience of many. And when you pray, verse 5, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Jewish tradition, you would pray three times a day. That's how they got Daniel thrown into the lion's den, if you remember. 
They said, the only way we're going to get this guy, he's such an, he is so full of integrity that the only way we're going to get him is in, in the, the violate religion somehow. And he didn't even do that. He violated the king's religion. But he prayed three times a day. Sometimes, maybe you've seen, if you've driven down the road, occasionally you'll see um, somebody on a mat praying. I've seen it a few times. If you, in a, in a highly Muslim area, they pray three times a day also. If you go to certain port, like, well, I know if you go up the thruway, you're going up to upstate New York, and the first rest stop outside of New Jersey, there's an area where the Jews pray. Because if they're coming along and it's the time to pray, they're allowed to stop there. There's an area for them to face east and pray to God. And some people, some Jews, some hypocrites, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes, and all of them, at times they would probably purposely time uh, their arrival at a particularly busy street corner when it was time to pray. And so when everybody would pray, and they would make sure that they, oh, Lord God, I beseech thee this day, and, you know, make a big show about their words and their praying. Because it was not the pray to God show, it was the all about me show. How many people play the all about me show? Nobody raised their hand. You are all liars. <laughs> we all do at times, right? We all have at times. He says, do not be like them. For they do not be like the hypocrites. Well, first, Jesus was not condemning public prayer. Because I just prayed publicly. A couple times today already. So it's not that Jesus is condemning public prayer. He was condemning the desire to be seen praying publicly. That's from R. Kent Hughes. But he says, do not be like the hypocrites. It means pretender, a duplicitous, insincere person. Leon Morris, the great Australian theologian, writes this. He says, the word signifies those who profess to do a pious action but do so with their eye on people when they should be concerned with God only. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, Timothy, I want you to understand something about the last days. It's found in 2 Timothy 3, 1-7. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. He says, but understand this, that in the last days... There will come times of difficulty. So I'm assuming we're in the last days. I think that's a fair assessment. We're in the last days. The last days began when Jesus ascended into heaven, and the last days will end when Jesus returns. However long that period is, it's the last days. But it says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, pleasure rather than lovers of God. Wow. Who knew that Paul was living in 21st century America? <laughs> Truly, the scriptures are correct. There is nothing new under the sun. But listen to what he says. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Ooh. 
Oh, he looks so God. He must know God. He is so eloquent in his speech. She is so eloquent. Oh, they pray so well. Ah, be careful. Be careful. Paul took great pains to say, as we even learned this morning in Sunday school, I didn't come to you with speech that would wow you. One of the most dangerous things is to be a great orator. You could woo people. You can convince people. Deceive people. There's nothing wrong with being good in speech and all that. Clearly, we know that I'm not. My English is horrible, right? I'm not, I'm not Reagan, the great communicator. He had a way of connecting and communicating. Ronald, I don't care if you... Listen, Ronald Reagan was a great president. But he could connect with anybody. Being a great communicator is good, but it has its dangers. Paul says, oh, they look good. They sound good. Many false teachers today, you turn on that television, TBN, and you got a lot of people who speak so well, but they say absolutely nothing. They say nothing. Nothing of any value. It sounds good. It has the appearance of godliness. But denying the power of God. That's what these people were doing in the street corners. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power. And what does he say? Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. What a horrible place to be. Always learning, but never arriving at the knowledge of truth. There are people within the Christian world who have great minds, teach you deep things, deep truths, use all the big words, and have no knowledge of the truth of Christ. They certainly seem like they do. But I'm afraid that many theologians will find themselves hearing the phrase, I never knew you. I hope not. I hope not. He says, do not be like those hypocrites, for they love phileo. To particularly like or enjoy doings. They love it. Oh, man, look at these. And you can, just, you can get the sense that while they're praying and they're using their big words and they're eloquent and it's all about them, that they're like, even while they're praying, say, oh, look at how the people are looking at Oh, look at how they're reveling me. Right? It's the arrogance. It's the, it's the arrogance of all arrogance. And Jesus says, don't be like them, for they have received their reward already. Received. To experience all that one deserves. Jesus says that we should store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. As soon as we get it, oh, I, want, oh, I just want them to love me and look at me and give me that pat on the back. As soon as you start looking for that, Jesus says, you got all that you're going to get. 
Don't think you're going to get that and something in heaven. Doesn't work that way. If somebody gives you a pat on the back, that's on them. If you're looking for it, that's what you're going to get. And that's all there is to it. And there is, there is zero value in that currency. Zero value within that currency. D.A. Carson writes this in his commentary in Matthew. He says, The person who prays more in public than in private reveals that he is less interested in God's approval than in human praise. He says, Don't pray for an audience of many. That doesn't mean you can't pray in public, as we already said. But if you are in a position in which you're going to pray publicly, and you know you're going to, then don't just come there and wing it. Think about what you're going to say. I mean, whether it's in public or in private, we are speaking to the God of the universe. If I were to go and be invited to the White House, and I don't care who's in office, if I was invited, I would go. How often do you get invited to the White House? Right? I would go. I wouldn't go there unprepared so I sound like, you know, Ralph Crane, humana, 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 one, you know, wondering what to say. How often do we go to God not concerned, not ready, prepared to meet the God of the universe, the God who, who called the stars by name and put them in place, the God who called you, if you're his child, by name, and just sit there and go, I really got nothing to say to you, uh-huh. I don't know, and then, you know what I'm saying? I want to go in a sense of being prepared. Now, sometimes prayer has to be on the spot. It might be spontaneous. Then, you know what? That's when you rest on the stored-up Word of God in your heart and your walk with it. Then that comes into play and helps you. When I, many of you know that I'm asked regularly by the town to pray at 9-11 or speak at 9-11 Memorial or at the fireworks. I always say yes. But I make sure that I'm not winging it. And I'm not, I'm just, because here's an, you have an example of somebody who has to pray in public. That what are the elements that need to be involved in prayer? First, that I understand that, yes, I have, at the fireworks, there's 2,000 people in front of me. So what? When you stand here in front of a microphone and you're praying, I'm talking to God. They're the recipients of hearing what I am saying to God. And what I say to God matters. I can't just, uh, oh, you know, well, God, thank you for the 4th of July. Thank you, America's great, this and that. Those are part of it. But when you pray publicly in a setting like that, make sure you incorporate the gospel into it. That, yeah, we live in a great country, greatest country ever. If you're from another country... I'm not trying to disparage your country. But our freedoms as Americans pale in comparison to the freedom that we have in Christ. Pale in comparison. We need to understand that and pray in such a way that the truth of God's Word, what what I'm saying is when you pray publicly, pray that the truth of God's Word comes forth. Because that's what matters. They may have been praying things about God, maybe even some truths about God, but they were praying it in such a way that it was all about me. Right? Jesus said, hey, two guys went to the temple and prayed. prayed. 
One a, 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 a Pharisee and one just a tax collector. And, how, and he says, this is how they, they... And the one guy, oh Lord, I thank you that I am not like other men. You already started off wrong. You are like every other man. I'm not a liar, I'm not a cheater, I'm not this, and I'm not a murderer. I'm not even like that guy over there. And the tax collector says, Jesus says, he couldn't even look into heaven. He says, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Because that's the guy who went, oh, I justify. He says, don't be like them. They've already, they've already got what they deserve. Don't be praying for an audience of many, God says. The first, don't. Don't pray for an audience of many. So what's the other that? Do pray for an audience of one. Do pray for an audience of one. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. The room. Tamion. Inner room, storeroom, which is probably, in the ancient days, the only room in the house which actually had a door or could be locked. He says, go into the secret place. Cryptos, in the hidden or secretly. What does he mean by that? Like, I've got to go and be by myself? And, you know, we just read that Jesus was praying and his disciples were watching and they said, teach us to pray like that. The secret place. Well, God is in secret, isn't he? 1 Timothy 1.17 says, To the king of the age is immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Invisible. So God's kind of secret. I can't see him. He's there. But the understanding is that I'm going to go and I'm going to meet with this invisible one who is real. I can't see him, but there's going to be a real connection here. It's going to be just me and him, and that's why it's in secret. When you uh, are dating someone, or you were married, you remember what it was like when you were first dating, right? Those days are probably long gone. Hopefully not, but it's not like you wanted to go out with a group of people to get to know the person, right? I had to go, it's just me and Eileen. It wasn't me and Eileen and all their sisters and my family and this and that. No, get, out, get lost. I don't want you around. I only want her around because I want to get to know her. It had to be done alone. That's the idea that he's saying here. Again, Leon Morris writes this, The secret place will exclude other people but not God. He is there in the secret place. In other words, it's an attitude of the heart that I am going to meet with God. And it's going to be just me and God. Learning how to block out all other distractions. Suppose you live in a house where you, there is no place you can go. Those of you who have a house full of little children or little child, no, there's no, you can't go anywhere. You may, be the, you may be in the bathroom, which I've always said is the most spiritual room in the house, uh, for five minutes and then what? Right? Not, just you're not, there's no you got to be able to shut things out and say, you know what, it's just me and God. It's going to be me and God. I'm speaking to God 
And this is probably the most important time of my day. I'm going to meet with the king of the universe. The one who called me by name before the world was ever created. He and I are going to have a conversation. What an incredible thing. That's what he's saying. That's how you walk into this. Don't just, you know, I'm using my, you know, willy-nilly. That's, I'm dating myself with these, you know. You go in. Because when that's your attitude, when you're not looking to get, but rather give to God what is His honor and glory and praise and bring to God your request and we honor and glory God when we bring to Him our needs. He says, then, then your Father who is in secret will reward you, will reward. Apodidomai. I just love that Greek word. Apodidomai. It says he will repay. He will pay back. Jesus uses this word as a warning when he returns. In Revelation 22, 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, my apodidomai, with me to repay, apodidomai, each one for what he has done. Jesus says, I will repay you. John MacArthur writes this, True prayer is always intimate. Even even prayer in public, if the heart is right and concentrated on God, will in a real and profound way shut one up alone in the presence of God. Boy, that is true. Do not pray for an audience of many. Pray for an audience of one. Understand who we're going to meet. And I put it as a do. Jesus puts it as a, as a don't. I'm not trying to change what Jesus says, but I think we get confused on this point. Do pray to be understood. Do pray to be understood. Isn't that kind of crazy to think, well, the God who understands everything, I'm going to pray so he understands me? Pray to be understood. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that that would be heard for their many words. When Jesus says Gentile, it means anybody who's not a Jew, but also all of these fake religions. They have their many gods. They have to have ceremonies of this. Uh, the best example we have is that of Elisha on the, on the mountain with the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. And he says, you build the altar, you do your thing, and you, you pray to your God and see who's going to answer. And what did they do? They had all the words and they were dancing around and making a big show and talking to, to, to Baal and, and nothing's happening. Because that's that kind of prayer. It goes, don't heap up those phrases like those people do. Heap up empty phrases is the word batalageo. It's actually, to me, an onomatopoeia word. It says, use many words or babble. Use many words or babble. What the, what, what, you know what? I, I don't want to give examples of that. There are many people who I love dearly. 
who are very repetitive in prayer. They say it's the same phrase over and over in prayer. And I don't think God is talking about that per se because I know the person and I know their heart and I know their love for God. That they're not just heaping up empty phrases. I think it's just saying things to say things. Pious, you know, making your sound so, sound, yourself sound so good and, and, and using all the big words and the right words. And, and it's, it's not just if somebody says, Father God, Heavenly Father, you know, a billion times in their prayer. I don't think God's going, oh my gosh, I can't. what am I going to do with this? I don't think he's doing that. Not for the person who loves him. I know their heart. We often can take this, do not heap up many phrases and use it as an excuse to have real short prayer times. Well, that's just wrong too. It's not saying just, you know, you know, spit it out, let me know what you're talking about and uh, get on your way. That's not what God is saying to us. So no, have a conversation with me. But let's have a conversation of substance. Let's have valuable conversation. When I was dating Eileen, I didn't just sit there and go, you know, you ever go to a restaurant and you see couples? And they're not even talking to one another. What's wrong with these people? They don't even talk. To we talked. It was purposeful. Ask questions, and, and that, that's what I would do. It's the same idea. Don't heap up all these empty phrases. Don't use a whole lot of words that, because where words are many, sin is not absent, even in our prayers. Remember in our study from Ecclesiastes quite a while ago, the writer of Ecclesiastes says this in Ecclesiastes 5.2, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. What does he mean by empty phrases? It all goes back to the being a hypocrite, wanting to be seen and heard. Those don't be like them and don't do like they do. They heap up all these phrases. They all sound good. Perhaps the, an empty phrase is calling God by his name or his title, acknowledging who he is, but in your heart, that's not really what you believe. That's an empty phrase. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, sovereign of the universe, you're going to go out and do exactly what you want to do in two minutes from now anyways. You don't really believe he's the sovereign of the universe. You don't really believe he delivered you from this, and because you go out and you do the complete opposite of what you say. Empty platitudes. The prophet Malachi said that's what the children of Israel were doing. In Malachi 2.17, it says, You have wearied the Lord with your words. Interesting, you have wearied the Lord with your words. But you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, neither delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? In other words, they were attributing to God that he's a good God forever. He's, God treats everybody the same. You know, good and the evil, the bad doesn't matter. God's a loving God. God loves everybody. Empty platitude. God does not love everybody. There's people that God hates. God hates those who stand opposed to him. And they will stand under the justice of God. 
God loves those who come to him in true humility and faith. That's just the facts. Scripture tells me that. It's not words of Eric, it's the truth. They were saying, ah, God's good to everybody. Well, God is good to everybody in a sense. Did everybody experience rain last week? How many of you complained about the rain last week? You complained about God. He says the Gentiles. Those are what Gentiles, the ethnicoists, the pagans, the heathens. So how do you pray? If it's not to heap up empty phrases and make yourself sound good and say all kinds of things, you don't really mean. It's not really in your heart. I don't really believe that. What do, you, what, what do you do then when you don't know what to say to God? Have you ever been there? You ever come to God and say, God, I just, I don't know what to say. I am so hurting. I am so broken. I am so scared right now that I do not know what to say. And then you just sit there. And maybe you weep. Maybe you're just groaning on the inside. Your, your mind is racing and you're trying to take thoughts captive. You go, God, I don't, God, I don't know what to do. God, I, I need you. I just know I need you now. You know, thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit. Because God would rather have that than go in there with all kinds of words. Because this, God, I just, I know I need you now. You can't fake that. That cannot be faked. And when you're there, the Bible tells us this about that kind of prayer. It's not not being like the pagans. It's not just, you know, saying things to say things. If you don't have anything to say, you don't know what to say, say not, tell God, I don't know what to say. Romans 8, 26 and 20 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us for us with groanings too deep for words. I love that. It's not my groaning too deep for words. It's the Spirit's groanings too deep for words. When you don't know what to say, the Spirit of Christ, if you're a child who lives in you, when you don't know what's going on and you're overwhelmed with fears and this and desires and hopes and, and brokenness and this, and, and it says, you know what? The Spirit says, hey, Father, Father, this is what they mean. This is what they're asking for. Of course, God knows, but the Spirit intercedes. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Why? Because they are of one essence. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Don't heap up empty phrases. Don't avoid prayer. Don't make it short. And when you don't know what to do, Sit there and let the Spirit intercede for you. There's one other thing Jesus says to do. Do trust in the heart of your Heavenly Father. 
do trust in the heart of your heavenly Father. Again, Jesus says, verse 8, don't be like them. I, I know it's a negative, but listen to what he says. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Isn't that great? Do trust in the heart of your Heavenly Father. Why? Because God knows what you need before you even ask Him. You need, cheria, what is lacking or needed. Again, we need to understand, let's go back to what it says about the Spirit intercedes according to to the will of God, I may be pouring out my heart broken before God, saying, God, I need this. The Spirit will be saying to God, no, they don't need that. They need this. And when I come to realize that what my Father, by His good graciousness, gives to me is the best thing for me, I may be thinking, it's this. I want X. God says, no, you're going to get Y. Because Y is better for you. Because I love you. Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's part of the reason in which we can come to God in prayer. We can come boldly to the throne of grace because He already knows. And it's His good pleasure the scripture says, to give his children the kingdom. He enjoys giving good gifts to his children. God doesn't hold, he's not holding back, oh man, forget, no way, you got to earn it. Remember what Martin Luther said in his definition of prayer. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, it's laying hold of his willingness. So we want to pray in such a way that we don't make it about ourselves, that we make it about God, that we're honestly pouring out our heart before God. What we say in prayer, we should say because I really believe it. I really believe I say, oh, Heavenly Father, that I really believe He's my Heavenly Father. <clears throat> Through the prophet Isaiah, God warned the children of Israel. He goes, they pray in such a way, they pray, but their hearts are not in it. Isaiah 29, 13, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear, listen to this, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. In other words, I'm walking in somebody else's shoes. It's not a real personal relationship for me. I, was, I, I grew up in the church, and I was told, do this, 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 this. I never owned it for myself. Don't be like them. 
draw near to God with confidence, draw near with your lips and your heart of full assurance to Scripture, of full assurance. But when you come to God, and you come in need, believe that God is going to meet your need. It may not be instantly. How many of us come and say, God, right, like, now's the time, God. It's got to be right now. If it's not right now, the universe is going to fall off its axis. The universe has not yet fallen off its axis. But when I come, i got to believe in the God that I'm speaking to. i got to believe all the promises that he says to me. Everything that he promises in Christ Jesus, I am told, and I have to believe, are yes and amen. Yes and amen. I have to believe that the Spirit is interceding for me according to the will of God. If I'm just going there to put on a show and say a bunch of words to God and check off a box, then I've spoken to the air. I haven't spoken to a person. I need to believe, really believe. Do trust in the heart of your heavenly Father. Believe that he loves you and he's going to give you good gifts. For every good and perfect gift comes down from the heaven, the Father of lights, James says. But James also says this, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. That's prayer. Who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Here we go. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Do not expect, if you come double-minded, You'll expect, you'll receive anything from God. Because God says you're double-minded. You're not focused. The one who wants, oh, Lord God, great and merciful and gracious Lord, slow, slow to anger and keeping steadfast love and covenant. Oh, you are a great God. No, double-minded, nothing from God. Now, you could say those same things. You could really mean it. But I promise you, if you really mean it, you won't say it in a way so that other people hear you. It'll come from in here. And you couldn't help. You'll be like Jeremiah. It's like fire in my bones. I have to say this because this is true. It's true. Remember what Jesus said. Do not fear, little flock. Luke 12, 32. For it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So when you pray, don't pray for an audience. Pray to be heard by one. And pray to be understood. Pray to be understood. And trust in the heart of your heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is simple. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Let's stand. Let's close in a song.
Let us join together in doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.